Hey mama, welcome to the Mom With Purpose podcast. I'm Aubrey Malik, and I'm a former teacher turned full-time work-at-home mom, and now I'm on a mission to inspire other moms to combine their passions with their purpose. If you're searching for more meaning in your life, or you're ready to take that leap of faith, you're in the right place. This podcast is here to inspire you, give you the tools and resources that you need to capture your purpose, and to go out there and live the most positive and purpose-fueled life. I hope that when you listen to this podcast, you feel like you're sitting down with your best friend. So put in your earbuds and turn up that volume and let's dive in. Hey, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Mom With Purpose podcast. I am so excited you are here today. It is December, guys. We are in the last month of the year. And I am giving you an amazing interview today with none other than Judy Holler. This interview has been my favorite so far. Like this interview, hands down, it's so tangible. Like you will take so many things away from this episode. Get your notebook out. Judy is going to share so much knowledge about how to slay doubt and just overcome your fears and how she's done it and how she wrote a book about it. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Judy. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of who she is and what she does, and then we'll go ahead and dive right on into the interview. Before I introduce Judy, I want to make sure that number one, you are subscribed. Number two, you leave me a quick review and let me know what you're loving about this show. And then number three, I would love it if when you're listening to this episode, you screenshot it and tag both me and Judy and her handle is at Judy Holler. Tag us in this and let us know what you are taking away from this episode because I'm telling you what guys, you are just going to be blown away with Judy and everything she shares. Okay, so let's introduce you to Judy and get to know the woman who you are about to meet. So Judy Holler is a keynote speaker, best-selling author, and a professionally trained improviser and an alumni of the Second Cities Conservatory in Chicago, Illinois. Judy studied and performed improv theater at night while working full-time by day in meeting industries in sales and marketing companies for Marriott, Omni, and Starwood Hotels before starting her company, Hala Productions. I just love saying that. Judy's book on fear, titled Fear is My Homeboy, How to Slay Doubt, Boss Up, and Succeed on Your Own Terms, was officially released in May of 2019, and it became an instant Amazon bestseller. Mel Robbins even endorsed her book, calling it relatable, relevant, most importantly, actionable. When Judy is not keynoting conferences, testing out new fear experiments, and or creating content for you, she is most likely riding her Peloton bike, nose deep in a book, and hanging out with her husband Scott and their golden retriever, Tito. Judy likes her books non-digital, her wine bubbly, and her music hip-hop. Okay, I think you kind of get why Judy and I clicked so well, why she is basically my spirit animal. I am so excited for you to go ahead and meet Judy and to learn from her, guys. Get your notebooks out. This is a juicy one. Let's go ahead and meet Judy. Judy, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. I cannot wait for you to share so much juicy knowledge with us. You have been such a huge inspiration in my journey and I just love following along with you on Instagram. So welcome to the Mom With Purpose podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me and I appreciate you saying that. It is an honor to be here with you and your uh, 
community. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I've been following you along. I kind of stumbled upon you right when your book was getting ready to launch. And it's just been such an awesome journey watching you through this launch and this exciting time in your life. But for those people who don't know you yet, tell us who you are, you know, what's your story and kind of how you got to this point in your life. I love that. Thank you for asking. Um, so I will kind of break it down personally and professionally. So Judy, the human being. Personally, I am a Midwest chick. Um, I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I lived in Chicago for over a decade throughout most of my 30s, met my husband, got engaged, and now I live in Ohio outside of Cleveland, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. Um, so I'm a Midwest chick. I love old school hip hop, um, leopard print, sequin. If you follow me on any of the social, you kind of pick that up. Uh, I am married. So like I, I said, I'm a, I'm a stepmom. I um, don't have kids of my own, um, but I'm a, a proud auntie and godmother. And I have a dog laying at my feet who is a, a three-year-old golden retriever named Tito Jameson. And he is definitely the love of my life. Um, don't tell my husband. Um, so so uh, I'm obsessed with him. And then, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big spin. So I don't know if you have any moms listening in and women listening in and men miss listening in potentially um, who love fitness and biking, but I'm a big indoor cyclist. So I have a Peloton bike and I, I, I'm obsessed with all things um, indoor cycling. And then um, professionally, uh, so to break this down a little bit, I have a, a background in sales and marketing and I worked for over 15 years for big brand hotel companies. I built a really successful year, almost 20 years in the meetings industry, hotel industry, hospitality industry. And I moved to Chicago at the age of 30 by way of like, a, you know, essentially a job promotion. My book goes into a little bit more of this story because there were some personal things that got me to Chicago too, but I ended up getting a big career move and it brought me to Chicago at the age of 30. And this is a big flashpoint for me. And it's why I'm bringing it up now because I think it'll help us. I think we're going to go there next probably as we start to dig into the book and in some of my background. But I I started studying improv theater at Second City in Chicago. So here I am kind of working in corporate America by day. And by night, I am studying and performing improv at Second City, essentially, which is a big, very famous improv theater in Chicago. Uh, a lot of Saturday Night Live stars have, have come out of that theater. So it's very famous. Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, all the good stuff. And I signed up for the the basic classes, ended up auditioning for the professional program, got in, stayed in, did improv for over eight years at that theater and in and around Chicago. And this changed everything for me, uh, especially my perspective on fear and my perspective on getting uncomfortable. Uh, and it really led me to what eventually became me quitting my full-time job, my six-figure career in um, the the meetings industry and uh, to write and to speak and to create full-time for a living. And so that's what I do now. I work as a keynote speaker. I'm an author. Um, I create content for a living. And I am the creator of what we call the Fear Boss community, which is uh, amazing fear bosses like yourself who want to live a more brave, bold, badass life. And um, we use the ideas of experimenting with our fear to do that. So in a nutshell, that's kind of the, the <laughs> Cliff Notes version of the story. <laughs> I love that. Um, I, I just love your whole outlook on just trying new things. And I kind of want to get back to your improv because 
obviously that's a huge part in what led you to where you are now. What made you want to sign up for that? I mean, that seems like it was probably something totally different than what you were used to. What led you to that? So good. Uh, yeah. So I had in grade school and stuff, like I had done speech meets. Like I was that kid, like I'd go memorize monologues and perform them. Right. And I loved performance. I wasn't really a theater kid, uh, but I did love the theater and I loved the arts and I always had a natural, I guess, talent for telling stories and, and sort of, uh, speaking them on stage. And so I started kind of performing at a young age, but I never really knew I could make it a career or a full-time thing. And I wasn't really chasing that. I mean, I was a radio television major in college. Like I was a communications major. You know, I didn't, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm either going to be Katie Kirk, something like that on, on the television, or I'm going to be like an MTV VJ, which your audience probably doesn't know what that is. But back in the day, MTV had video jockeys and they were really cool and really famous. And I wanted to be one of them. And, uh, so I just, I guess I had had like a performance knack and I always loved Saturday Night Live and I always knew what Second City was. And I just sort of said to myself, if I ever got there, if I ever got to that city, I'd just go take the basic classes. And that's what I did. And it turned into so much more than I thought it ever would. I never thought I had would have had time to do something like this. I never thought I would have been good enough or smart enough. And I think that's a big part of the story. We get so in our way and we assume that we're too late or we're too old or we're too this or we're too that. So improv really became... I went because I had always been interested in it, um, but I tell the story in my book that I didn't even go in the classroom the first time. I didn't even open the door. It took me almost two years to go back to that theater because I was so scared that I was too old. At the age of 30, I took my first improv class at 30 years old, right? And my whole life has changed because of it. So we've got to open the door. And the story really re revolves around this idea of me going back and opening the door the second time and walking in. And I always joked that improv, uh, really was like my fear church because it's the first time and the first place that I really felt that it was okay to fail and to mess up and to screw something up on a stage or in a scene and watch it be celebrated and watch it be actually welcomed and watch all of those scary mistakes and embarrassing failures and mess ups turn into some of the greatest gifts that we, we had in an improv environment. And so it really sort of set me free and it bled over into my personal life. I started really looking at all of the mistakes as really massive gifts. And this made me more brave. Oh, oh my gosh. You just dropped so many amazing things there. I, I don't even know which one to go back to and touch on, but I think the one that really stood out to me is because I feel very similar in when you were saying, you know, that you were not, you felt like you were too late or too old or too this and that. And I definitely, that's something that, you know, coming into the podcasting world, there's so many podcasts out there. There's so many people out there that are doing this and, you know, trying to make sure that I stand apart and stand different. So what would you say to someone that is struggling with those, those kind of imposter syndrome feelings of, you know, it's too late. It's there. It's, they've missed their boat. It's not their time. What would you say to someone like that? 
Oh my gosh. I mean, I can totally relate. Like, hello, first of all, me too. I'm with you. I mean, I feel like an imposter most days. I think, um, I think, I think that is true for a lot of us. And I think anybody we're watching in the podcast game, in the author game, in the content creation game, in the business game, in the online, multi, you know, the MLM world and the direct selling world, whatever it is that you're chasing or wanting to do, moms looking at other moms, other marriages, you know, there is such comparison out there and the lens of social media has made it worse. And I think most of us, most days have no idea what we're doing and we're just trying to figure it out. And anybody who got to where they are and got any level of success had to start at zero. So it's the beginning. There are a lot of podcasts. There's always been, think about books. There's always been a lot of books, but it hasn't stopped people from writing. And what if your favorite author never sat down to pen the book, right? That they wrote for you and your heart. I think of that, my favorite book sitting behind me. Like if those people wouldn't have sat down to pen their book because they thought everybody else, there was too many books like that out in the world, but no one is them and no one has their perspective and no one is you and no one has your perspective. So it's helping people realize like, A, you're not alone. Uh, so if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, you're not alone. We're all going through it and nobody does it your way and nobody has your stories and your lens on life. So trusting that has so much power. And then the second thing I'll say about imposter syndrome specifically, and this is what I've done to mentally move through it and, and, and with it a little bit better because I feel it all the time too, is instead of feeling like, oh my God, imposter syndrome's arrived again in my life and oh my God, this is so stressful and so frustrating and it makes me feel horrible about myself. Instead of saying that, I flip the script and I do what imposter syndrome, which is fear, doesn't expect. And when imposter syndrome shows up or self-doubt shows up, I say, instead of saying, oh, that's arrived, I say, I have arrived because I know that when imposter syndrome is showing up in my life and I start to feel like self-doubt, it means I want more for myself. It means I'm ready. It means I want what she, I don't not want it for her, but I also want a slice of it for me. So how can I turn that envy into inspiration and that self-doubt into power? Why do we give our power to the fear? And the way fear manifests, why can't we flip it on its head and say, okay, well, it's a, it's a sign that I've arrived and that I want more for myself. So I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. Yes. That helps a little. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you talked about it because you talked about it in your book too. And that's kind of where I'm going to move into next is, is your book and everything about that. But you talked about how when fear arrives, you're like, welcome to the party. Like, let's, you know, embrace it. Come hang out with me. Let's dance with fear. So so you were doing your improv and that was doing great. And it kind of opened up some new doors for you. And then the book. So wh where did that come from? I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've been reading lots of books and you were, you know, taking bits and pieces from everything that you were learning in. and what made you want to write, write a book? I love it. So, um, yeah, I mean, books have been, I consider some of the books on the shelves behind me, um, some of my best friends. I think they have been there for me in my highest of highs and my lowest of lows. And I've been an avid reader most of my life. Fiction, yeah. But I, you know, since I hit my, you know, late 20s, early 30s, I, I have sort of always made it a big part of my daily rituals and habits to read some, a little bit, at least 10 pages of a personal development book every single day. And by the way, there's some cool research on that that I talk about in the book that a lot of your moms may enjoy um, because I think we don't think we have time. And my sister has little kids right now. And she's always like, I just don't have the time like for the Peloton or whatever it is. She's always, and I get it, right? She's got, my, my godson just turned two 
going to be three. He's going to be three at Christmas. And my niece, Kylie, turns one, just turned one. So she's in the hustle, right? And she's always like, I don't have time. And I'm like, dude, micro dose, right? So I promise I'm going to land the plane here. But she's always like, I don't have time to read. I'm like, micro dose, bring it in really small. Read 10 pages of a book a day, five pages. It'll change your life because here's some of the data on it. Uh, there is a study out by Harvard Business School that shows if you read just 10 pages of a book a day, which for the average person, usually equates equates to like 10 pages a day, right? So if you're reading 10 minutes, 10 pages a day of a book in one year's time, you will have read 19200 page books. If you read five pages of a book a day in one year's time, you will read what is it? Eight books a year. So I told my sister, I go, don't stress about like, you have five minutes before bed. Go lock yourself in the bathroom and read five pages of a book, right? I don't even know if she's finished my book yet. I mean, God love her. You know what I mean? But you know, my moral of the story is we have the time, mm -hmm. you know? So what are the choices that we're making? And so why do we have, we don't have to read a book. We don't need to read a chapter. Let's just read five pages of a book. So I have always been inspired by reading. I make it a habit every day to read, but I never really thought I was going to be a, an author. Um, a published author. I never sought out to be a writer and it never just occurred to me in my, my wildest dreams that that could be a thing. And, you know, honestly, I was a solid in school. I was a solid C student. Uh, tests were hard for me. Focus was hard for me. Math was really hard for me. Um, but there, where I always got straight A's was like in the school of what I call hustle. And it's that curriculum, those ideas that married with what I learned in the improv theater that really inspired me to write this book. Because I know, I mean, I don't come, I come from a very lower to middle class upbringing. I'm the first person in my family to go to college, right? And finish, right? I am um, self-made by every respect of it. I have a mom who is mentally ill. You know, I have, uh, you know, I grew up in a very goofy environment and school was hard for me for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I share this story with you because it's what, what led me to the book. I knew that if I could do it, other people could. And I knew I had ideas. There's a lot of people that have written about fear and how to manage it. There's been a lot of, in my book is not an improv book, but there's been books about improv. There's been books on productivity and time. I mean, I think of all the books, but no one has my story and my curriculum and no one's been to my hustle school. So I knew that I had to, to, to remix it and to kind of share those ideas with the world. And here we are all these, you know, two years later with a book that, um, is, is just doing some really incredible things. And I'm, I'm proud, I'm proud that I had the guts to do it. And that I didn't say, well, everybody else has written that book, but I didn't write that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, that, that's kind of how I got here. Love it. Love it. Um, and then the title of your book, Fear is My Homeboy. I think when I saw that that was your title, instantly I was like, yep, this is my girl. Like the fact that she is using the word homeboy in her title, like that was perfect for me. I was like, I, I have to read that book. Like even before getting to know you and following along, like I was like, the title right. alone pulls me in. So what does fear is my homeboy mean? What does that mean to you? Like if someone is picking up this book, what, what can they expect to be getting out of this book? Yeah, so it, it, the title for me was a, a playful way um, to, it's a playful, essentially pop culture way to say, fear is my friend. And that's what it means, that we seek to befriend our fear. We want to make fear our friend, make fear our homeboy. And it's a, a fun pop culture way to do that. Um, and I truly believe that we will never be able to really outrun our fear. 
And also what you fear at 20 is very different than what you fear at 40. And men and women are going to have different fears. We're going to process and internalize fears very different. So fear is going to look different for all of us. So why are we wasting our energy trying to outrun something or get rid of something that we'll probably never be able to get rid of in the first place? Uh, we cannot control other people, places, or things. None of us wake up with a script, right? We might have a to-do list, some things we want to get done, but we don't have a script very much like the improv theater. We don't have a script in the improv theater either. And uh, what I've learned, though, is that we can, while we can't control the people, places, or things, and while we don't have a script, we can always control how we show up and how we contribute. And this takes guts, but it's the guts, your courage, right, that really determines ultimately your destiny in this life. And the only thing really standing in your way is your courage and your ability to work with your fear because we're never going to be able to outrun of it, run it. So the, the idea behind this book and the title, uh, you know, which is how to slay doubt, boss up and succeed on your own terms. That's the subtitle. It's going to help you do that. This book is going to help you kind of check yourself before you wreck yourself, if you will, right? To quote a little, to drop a little mm -hmm. ice cube for my fellow hip hop friends. Um, it's a book about courage and bravery. And it's really a collection of stories and tools and tactical things. I mean, you've read it, right? These tactical things you can use uh, every day to help you really sort of avoid self-destruction. And uh, there's seven chapters. Every chapter ends with a homework assignment and deep thinking or creative exercise. But it's really a book that is designed to help you think differently about how you work with your fear instead of chasing this unrealistic notion of trying to be fearless. Yes. And that was one thing that really stood out to me in the book and really shifted my thinking because you hear it so much. So many people will say like, you need to be fearless. And in order to do these things, just be fearless. And I loved how you pointed out, it's not about being fearless, but it's about fearing fearless. So talk to me a little bit about that. I know that you say you, you shouldn't be using the word fearless. So talk to us about like why that's, that's huge. And it, and it can be a, basically a mind shift thing. Yes. Okay. We're going to have a little rant on the word fearless because I think so many people use it with love because I believe they're meaning brave and they, they, they use it with love. But let's think about this word for a minute. And here's why I like actually loathe this word and I hate this word because I don't want to be fearless. I mean, if you really think about it, if you were truly, truly fearless, you would do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like you would never go to a doctor. Uh, you, you would never pay your taxes. You would walk down dark alleys alone at night by yourself. You'd get on uh, elevators at, you know, at three in the morning with a stranger that felt creepy. You would eat poisonous food. You'd do all these really crazy things because you had no fear. So our fear could be a very useful tool and an incredible GPS and compass to keep us safe in a lot of, in a lot of regards. And Elizabeth Gilbert wrote in one of my favorite books, there's a book called Big Magic. And she said this, she goes, the only fearless people, like truly fearless people I know, and the moms are going to love this, are five-year-olds and sociopaths, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I really want to be five again, although I love me a good five-year-old. They're the best improvisers on the planet, by the way. Go watch a five-year-old if you want to like figure out confidence and just go, you know, like play because it's just everything's real, right? And they, no mistakes, only gifts. But, um, you know, those are the only fearless people that we know. So the goal shouldn't be fear fearless. The goal should be figuring out how to, like you said, fear our fear less. And that's the big idea behind my work. And it's really what makes you brave. Um, so now that the rant on fearless is over, maybe 
I explain what it means to be brave in my opinion. And that might help us segue out of this, this point is that uh, for me, it means fearing fear less um, requires, it's like a muscle. It's a, you know, bravery is a muscle, fear is a muscle, and, and you, it, it will stop working if we don't use it. So I feel like this idea of experimenting with our fear is really how we do that. It's us going to the fear gym, fear boss fitness, if you will, to really work that brave muscle. Uh, it means choosing courage over comfort most days. That's a Brene Brown that I borrow every five seconds because it's so true. Um, it means getting in uncomfortable. You know, bravery means getting uncomfortable on purpose regularly in order to really live the comfortable life that you want. It means setting boundaries. It means taking risks. It means putting yourself out there. It means starting the podcast. It means writing the book. It means speaking up when you're scared. It means uh, doing small big and small daily things outside of your comfort zone to really work your brave muscle. Again, fear is a muscle, I believe, and we've got to work it. So I use this idea of experimenting with our fear in order to um, fear my fear less. Yeah. And I love that. And it's really been, honestly, when I read your book, it was really, I feel like a huge catalyst in, in everything that I wanted to do. I was very comfortable in what I was doing. My whole goal when I started my business was I just want to be able to come home and be with my kids. I don't want to have to be on someone else's schedule. I want to make my schedule. And so I had achieved that. And here I was sitting thinking, okay, but I feel like there's more. And that required me to get uncomfortable about a couple of things. And I knew that I had a voice and a message that I wanted to share. And again, that imposter syndrome and that fear coming in, well, I can't do it. It's already been done before all that stuff. And I love how you talked about experimenting and, and stepping out of your comfort zone. Because even for me, like asking you to come on this podcast was one of those like brave moments for me. Like, I'm like, I just got to do it. I mean, what, what would I think of if I didn't do it? I would be sitting here thinking, I wish I would have had Judy on the podcast. So I love how you talk about that and talk about fear experiments, which is going to lead me right into our next question. You know, you do this all the time. If you follow Judy on social, she is always doing a fear experiment. She's walking through the airport with Mickey ears on her head. Like these are such cool things that people can do every single day, big or small, like you said, that can step them out of their comfort zone. So talk about these fear experiments and how they can propel you forward in life. I love it. Okay. And I'm going to even back up to something you said earlier, which was this idea of like you asking me to be on your podcast. What I'm always trying to, first of all, that was a fear experiment, reaching out, getting outside of your comfort zone. Uh, and what I'm always trying to remind myself when I'm in situations like that is instead of being like, oh my God, what could go wrong or all these things, what's the best that could happen? What could go right if I reach out to Judy? Maybe she will see this DM. Maybe she will reach out. Maybe we will get to get connect and meet, you know, in person. And I'll get to, you know, you know, it's like meeting. I love, you know, when you meet an author or someone that you get to, you've connected with. It's like, oh my God, you know, it's just, it's such a, a cool feeling. And so look what happened, right? Look what, look at what happened. This connection was made all because you had the courage to put yourself out there and get uncomfortable. That is exactly what I'm talking about. The more, now sometimes it won't work. Sometimes, you know, I'll do it. I'll send DMs or send them and I don't hear anything. I don't hear boo. Fine. But at least I'm trying. Right. Um, so, so this idea of experimenting with our fear is exactly that. Let me say this. I love thinking of myself as like a little fear scientist, right? Um, it makes me feel really smart, A. And B, it gives me the permission to just let go and play because if we're just experimenting, with our fear. We can't really fail 
can we? Because it's just an experiment, right? So why, I believe that this idea, just the shift of calling it, I'm gonna go do something scary. No, I'm gonna go do a fear experiment because it takes the, the anxiety and the stress and the overwhelm and the self-doubt and all the imposter syndrome feelings that we're having about the scary thing we need to go do. It takes it out and it welcomes in curiosity and creativity and play and courage. So that is shift number one. You know, this idea of why do we give fear the power? I, I'm not going to go do something scary. I'm going to go run a little fear experiment, see how this thing works out, right? Um, and yeah, there are certainly things we're going to do that are going to have to be scary. We're going to have to go to the doctor. We're going to have to get cavities filled. We're going to have to do stuff that is going to be hard and uncomfortable and all of that. Um, so there's going to be big things, but there's also going to be small things. So I've done really big fear experiments in my life, like, uh, you know, become a stepmom and quit a job and, and leave a, leave corporate America and write a book and leave a toxic relationship, quit a bad habit. I've done big fear experiments, but then I do regularly. You even mentioned the Mickey ears, like small things. So, um, every day with the goal of working that muscle. So maybe it's, you know what, today I'm going to pick up the phone and call someone instead of just text them. It's getting uncomfortable. You're still getting uncomfortable because it's so much easier just to text. You know what? Today I'm going to pick up the phone and call my dad. You know what? Today I'm going to take a different drive home from work. Today I'm going to swap my coffee for matcha tea. I'm going to give matcha tea a try. Let's see what happens. Today I'm going to splash my face with cold water because that is going to suck. So I'm going to do it. Um, today I am going to go outside in a public place and in a grocery store. I'm going to go, when I'm at my grocery store, I'm going to go take a selfie of myself in public with an avocado just to get better or pick up your fruit of choice, um, but just to get better at not caring what other people think about you, right? So the goal is to have fun with this, to mix up your Spotify station. Today, I'm going to listen to country. If you hate country, go listen to something, you know, you have it. Pick up a book. You know, so the moral of the story is look for big and small things every day to get uncomfortable on purpose because this is how we get more comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's how we bring the play back into really dealing with our fear. And and um, this is kind of like high level, the big idea behind my work that we've got to dance with it. And we've got to find ways to make these scary things less scary. And I have found that by running fear experiments and getting uncomfortable a little bit every day on purpose really helps me uh, sort of get stronger and braver. And I love how you use the word experiment because I think about it too when you, you know, you think about it like a scientist. Okay, so even if you do an experiment, like you put yourself out there, you reach out to someone, it doesn't work out, you can say, okay, what can I do different next time that maybe will make it so that that person does respond? Okay, I, maybe I just sent them a text. Maybe next time I'm going to send them a video of me. So I love that you said it's an experiment because it's a chance to try something and then kind of rework it and think, okay, how can I do it better next time? Oh, I love that you even added that layer. Exactly. So when you think about yourself as this little fear scientist, okay, so I reached out via DM. That didn't work. So maybe this time I record a video. Let's see what happens there. Or maybe this time I'm going to send something cool in the mail. Maybe I can track down their PO box or whatever. Or, you know, yes, yes, yes. It's adding layers to these experiments. And don't just assume if something doesn't work once that we shouldn't be brave enough to try something different. Maybe it's just, it just didn't land. Of course, we don't want to be spamming or stalking people. That's not what you and I are suggesting, but the moral of the story is, you know, 
don't give up on yourself so quick. And, you know, we can have so much more fun. Like I'm in this zone, like this podcast space with you too, where I'm like back and forth, like, oh my God, there's so many podcasts, but I'm like, you know what, why do I have to be like, oh, I'm going to go start a podcast. Why can't I just say, I'm going to start up and I'm doing bunny ears, a podcast experiment. Like, let's just see what happens. Does it feel good? Is this my jam? Where do we, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So take the pressure off yourself. You want to start a business, write a book, just start experimenting with the process and don't just stop at your first no or your first roadblock because scientists who are changing the world never do. They just continue to experiment and they make a pivot and they make an edit. And then this is how we end up creating tools and, and things in life that end up uh, changing the world. So yeah. same oh way. My, yeah, absolutely. And I love, you even changed my shift right now too, because I'm thinking, okay, this is an experiment. I'm going to try it out. And that's, I did set out when I was starting my podcast, you know, I was saying, okay, this is the next step. This is where I'm going to take, this is how I am choosing to show up in the world. I want to provide as much content, as much value to all these women who are listening on the other end. And it's a, an experiment. That's what it is. And it, and it might show me that this is the next step or it might lead to another door opening. I love that you said that because that's, again, a shift for me. And that was going to actually be my next question was, what are some mental shifts that you can do every single day that you can, so that you can stay brave, that you can level up so that you can keep pushing the boundaries with your comfort zone? I love it. So number one is what you just, what we have just been talking about. The big idea is to make it a game, you know, to, to experiment every day and get uncomfortable every day. So I would say to the listener, to the mom listening to this, uh, if you are by the end of the day today, conduct your first experiment and tell, tell us about it. You know, let us know, tweet it, like inbox us, DM us, let us know what you did after listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you're going to pull your car over right now and run into a grocery store and take a selfie. I don't know. But the <laughs> point is like, get uncomfortable by the end of the day today, you know, make that your first homework assignment. So that is always tip number one. Um, but you know, we talk about these like mental shifts and I am always reminding people that I work harder on my mental game than I do myself because you cannot be exhausted and brave. You cannot be overwhelmed and brave. You cannot be crazy busy and brave because bravery requires energy and mental focus and clarity and confidence and rest and wellness. So in order to really live a brave, bold life, we have to be alive and awake on the front lines of our life. So there are um, three things I do, uh, and these are some tactics examples that your, your, your listeners can start using right away. Number one, and if you follow me on social, you'll see me talk about this every now and then. And I definitely write about it in the book. I have a, a like kind of a mandatory non-negotiable power statement practice. I write 10 I am power statements every single day. I either do them in the morning or the night. Sometimes I do them twice in a day, uh, but it takes me 90 seconds. And it's literally 10 statements that begin with I am. Uh, because I do believe that what follows I am will be. So if you're constantly saying I am crabby, I am overwhelmed, I'm a I am a horrible speaker, oh my God, I'm awful at money, I, I'm suck at a podcast, I am a terrible writer, I'm so bad at math, well then you will be, right? So how do we flip the script and remind ourselves who it is that we are, but also what it is that we want to want to be. So for example, we've got to dream big here because if we limit ourselves um, and how we talk to ourselves, we become limited. So when I was writing the book, one of my 
all time, every time, and I still write it down because why not? Uh, because I think we have to call the whole, we have to dream big. And so I am constantly writing, I am a New York Times bestselling author. I am a New York Times bestselling author. Because when I sit down to write or create anything in my business, I'm going to write a very different body of work with that mindset versus, oh my God, I hope somebody listens or reads this or what if I suck? I have five typos and my editor's going to make fun of me. And uh, you know, all the things that we think and obsess over. So these power statements are, are kind of my number one way to keep me moving forward and really balanced and really brave because bravery requires like good mental energy. So I'm saying things like I am healthy. I am disease free. I am awesome at confrontation. I am great with money. Uh, you know, I am, uh, I am uh, safe to relax and receive. I am right. I am always right on time. I am an incredible keynote speaker. I am a beautiful writer. I'm a great wife. I'm a badass mom, whatever that may look like for you. So that is tip number one. The other thing I do kind of in conjunction with that, I don't do this all the time, uh, but most days you'll see around my house and certainly when I travel, love notes. Mm -hmm. I carry these like hot pink post-its with me everywhere and a you know, I always have a Sharpie on me and I write myself love notes. And I think especially the moms listening to this can pick up a little extra nugget here because I had a woman in one of my workshops speak up when I shared that I do this. So I write love notes. Let me go back and tell you what they are. They're just these I am statements that I've just kind of referenced, but on post-it notes. So certainly before I go give a keynote speech or go to a scary doctor's appointment or anything like that, I'm writing these sort of like affirmations on my mirrors. So in my full-length mirror in my bedroom and in my bathroom and in my hotel, they're all over the mirrors to remind me of what I believe that I am. And so, um, I shared this story in a workshop and a woman raised her hand and she goes, I just love this. So she was like emotional and she was in tears a little bit. And I said, Oh my God, let's talk about this. What's going on. And she goes, I love that you, you say this because I have three kids and I write my kids love notes and she got out a phone and she showed me what she does for her teenagers. She puts these like post-its all over their bathroom mirrors and she's been doing, I just thought I like goosebumps story. I'm like, Oh my God, I wish like, this is such a gift you can give your kids. And she's like, I'm always telling them, you know, that they are strong and they are going to crush their test and they are bold and they are bad at or whatever they, however they talk to each other in their family. Mm -hmm. So she writes her kids, these love notes and her kids are in high school. And she goes, but I just realized I have never written myself a love note. And it was just this moment where the whole room kind of took this collective breath because most of them in the room had it. And it was this shift that, you know, who do you, who do you think is going to benefit the most when you are the best version of yourself, when you show up and you love on yourself, everybody that you love, your husband, your kids, the people around you, your business, the things you create will just become a better version of themselves because you are manifesting as this best best version of yourself. So I think love notes are a powerful gift you can give yourself. And it seems so silly, but it is such a powerful way to remind ourselves. And I think it's also something we can be doing for our kids. So I thought I'd mention that. And then, um, the last thing I would say is, you know, find a way to move your body. You know, maybe you're not super into like cardio, take walks, get out in nature. I find any time that I need to really, um, embrace something scary or manage my anxiety, you know, moving my body has been a massive gift for me personally and professionally. So find something that you love. Uh, that's how you find success, you know, from a fitness perspective, but really think about like making big deposits. Like anytime I get on the bike or I go for a walk or whatever that may be, I, I look at it as like 
putting money into the bank of me. Like I am literally investing in like me, like my 401k, like the future Judy, like 2035 Judy, you know? And so it, it gets me on that bike and it gets me walking around the block. And this is the conversation my sister and I were having, you know, cause she's got the two small kids. So it's like, okay, Denise, just get on the bike for 10 minutes or just move your body for 10 minutes. And by the time you're in 10 minutes of the action and the momentum, you're in too deep with most days action and momentum. So you just kind of keep going and maybe your 10 minutes turns into 15 and it turns into 20. But if we can move our bodies, you know, um, a little bit every day, I think it'll help manage stress and anxiety and certainly will make you braver. Again, the bottom line is the final thought here is you cannot be overwhelmed and exhausted and crazy busy and brave. It doesn't work. So are we working our mental game as hard as we're working on all of the things that help us come and keep our family unit moving forward? You know, we've got to work on our, you know, our mental, physical, and emotional well-being just as much. Absolutely. And that's one thing that um, I'm really coming to realize because I have two young kids and my youngest, uh, when I, when he was born was when I started working from home and I've never left him. And I just got back from a conference and it was so, I, for me, it was very hard to, to take that step and do that because, you know, running through all this says, well, what if they need me and what if something happens? But just like you said, I came out of that conference so much like just a better mom in general. Like I just had a fresh perspective, some time away. Like it's so important to make sure that you're pouring into yourself because if you have an empty cup, you can't fully give to your family, to your kids, whatever it may be. So I love that you mentioned bringing it back to pouring into you and making sure that you are your best self so that you can help others around you. And I love, I'm going to add one thing onto that. You going to that conference and you stepping away from your home to go do that for yourself was a fear experiment, mm -hmm. right? That is a massive, that's a big, and that's a shift. That's, that had to have changed you in so many ways. And you also proved to yourself that you can do something scary and uncomfortable and survive and live to talk about it, which gives you the courage to keep doing these things, right? So um, I, I just wanted to call that out to everybody listening. Like sometimes like just, you know, the first time you do go to Target by yourself or you do leave the, the kids for a weekend to go invest in your business or a personal development conference or go see your best friend, you know, it is a fear experiment because you're getting uncomfortable, but you also know these things are required in order to really live the comfortable life you deserve and stay connected to who you are too. And all of that takes guts. So I'm proud of you for doing it. You know, yes. it's going to make you a better mom. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I definitely was, I didn't think of it as a fear experiment, but now looking at it too, I mean, cause it was flying by myself for the first time. I mean, I've flown before, but flying by myself like that was oh, huge for me. Another fear experiment. I know it was just a whole weekend of it. Well, here's something I'll add even too for everybody listening. One of the other things, the rituals I do every night before bed, um, most days, I mean, 80% of the time I'm great at my habits, right? But we're going to have days that we suck and we get off our schedules. But almost, almost every night, uh, one of the things I do is I write down my fear experiments from the day. So I'll write down. So I'm always chasing, like, what did I do uncomfortable today? So if you're making that a habit and a practice, you start to realize, oh my God, I didn't do anything uncomfortable today. So, okay, tomorrow I have to like show up. Maybe I do two things, but I think even getting into the habit of writing down how you got uncomfortable, like, here's what I'm grateful for today. You know, maybe you do your power statements at night. I like them in the morning, but I always say like, here's what I'm grateful for. And here's what I got uncomfortable today. So I'm reminding myself that even just like splashing my face with cold water or speaking up 
when the UPS guy ran over my lawn, you know, that is uncomfortable. And I'm going to say something instead of like remaining silent. Like all these little things you do every day need to be celebrated and noticed. And so you getting on that plane, you going to that conference, you leaving your kid, that is like three massive fear experiments in probably a five hour time frame, right? So again, making just the, the idea of, you know, thinking about it and, and reflecting on how you got uncomfortable that day is just a great way to hold ourselves accountable to the behavior. And I, and I love that too, because to me, what that stands for is if I'm writing them down every day, when I have to do something that's really like scary or, you know, fear is really coming in, I can look back at all those things that I've done and say, look at all of these things that I've already accomplished. Like I, there's no stopping me now. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> it is confident. Like confidence is contagious. Courage is contagious. And the best thing about fear experiments, especially when people watch you do them, this is why I love the idea of sharing your fear experiments. So everybody listening, come on, tell me, tell us about what you're doing and use the hashtags fears my homeboy and fear experiment, all that good stuff to, to inspire other people to do brave things. Because when I watch you go do something really brave, it makes me want to be more brave. Mm -hmm. And it reminds us that we can do scary things and live to talk about it and survive. So you're right. I love that. You know, like you could have a scary appointment coming up and you flip through your little journal and you look at all the things you've done in the last two weeks that are way scarier than that. Well, you're going to be fine. You know? Yes. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So, um, the last question I have before I get into my rapid fire questions, um, if there is a mom or a girl or you know anyone on the other end listening to this and they are just feeling stuck, like they're feeling overcome with all this fear, whatever it may be, big or small that they're trying to overcome, what would you tell them so that they can you know, make the change and overcome this fear? I love it. Um, so first of all, you're not alone, right? We all feel that way. We all get afraid and feel scared and at times can feel like we're stuck in a rut. Um, I get this question a lot, like people coming and saying, you know, I'm just lost or I feel uninspired or I'm in a rut. Um, I'm stuck in a rut. I think, I believe every time I hear that, it is a really good indicator that fear is running your life and not you. So let me break this down just a titch. So in the fear is my homeboy world. Uh, for, for folks that have read the book and have joined uh, along online, we call ourselves fear bosses. And so we sort of built this community around like being a fear boss. And this means that we choose to call the shots in our life, not our fear. We realize that fear is a thing. We're never going to be able to run it, but we choose to call the shots. And if you are stuck in a rut um, or you're being held back by fear and you're playing it too safe, this is the indication that fear is, you are not a fear boss and fear is running your life. So the way out of this is by getting uncomfortable. It means it is time to mix it up. It is time to take a new class. It is time to sign up for a workshop. It is time to travel to the conference. It is time to mix up your schedule. It is time to read a book or listen to a TED, or TED talk that you've never listened to before. It's time to call someone that could help you. It's time to travel somewhere alone. It's time to introduce yourself to someone new. We have, if we are in a rut, the only way out of it is out of it. And that requires you to get uncomfortable. So um, that is always my advice. You know, anytime you, you feel that way, um, overwhelmed, crazy, uninspired, stuck in a rut. It's it's a red flag. It's how you know uh, fear is running your life and not you. So that is kind of like advice number one. And then in the same bucket, the final thought I would say is that um, 
just to keep going. Like, remember, we're all scared and none of us know what we're doing. And most days, most of us are just trying to figure it out. And we all got so much more going on than what we see at the service level. And anybody you're following or that you admire um, or you look up to, like I said, we all start at zero. We all start with that first Instagram follower. We all start with that first blog post, that first client that we have in our business, that first word we put on our book. So in our book rather. So um, we just got to get uncomfortable every day on purpose. Um, and then, you know, just remember that, you know, we worry about failing and people judging us and people not liking us. Uh, the big thing that helped me get out from underneath this is remembering that people are already judging you and people are already making fun of you and people are already not liking you. So the question, first of all, you might as well give them something to talk about. And second of all, uh, who are you living your life for? You or everybody else. It is just a part of the territory in putting yourself out there. We cannot let that stop us because it's inevitable. If you, you know, Brene Brown talks about stepping into the arena, you know, if you're going to step into the arena, you're going to have to be willing to handle the discomfort that comes along with it. And that's just a part of it, but it's not who you are, you know, and it's like, you know, it's not, doesn't make who you are and we're all dealing with it. So I would say to end the big final piece of advice, no mistakes, only gifts, you know, you cannot, break improv, you can't break a fear experiment. So experiment with your fear every single day on purpose and you will find yourself uh, begin to get braver, bolder, and more confident in your natural born badassery. I love it. Love it. And the one thing you said about people already judging you, the one thing that shifted it for me is that people who are um, as successful or more successful for me, they'll never judge me. So that's the only, that's the only measure of success that I really need because you know, people who are going to judge me are people that are not on my level. And yep. I don't have time for that. That's <laughs> so good. They're not booing. Oh God. I know there's a great quote by Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm not going to remember right now. Like, you know, they're, they're not booing from the, you know, the field they're booing from like the cheap seats or something mm -hmm. like, or the, or the sidelines or it was that same analogy. Like, cause think about it when you love yourself and when you're killing the game and you are a girl on fire, you have no time to stop and turn around and hurt women and bring other people down. I have no, I don't even think like, I, there are plenty of things I read and that I don't like, or may not get a certain brand or a certain vibe. No problem. Good for them. It's not for me. That's why we have unfollow buttons and we just can unsubscribe or we just don't read the book or we don't write the Amazon referral, right? No big deal. But I don't go on to bash it and tell someone how horrible they are and that they're, you know, this, it's just, my brain can't even process that. So the fact that you are onto that, you are exactly right. Anyone who is, um, ahead of you, anyone who has the time to stop and hurt other people is not creating good work of their own or is just dealing with, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So uh, block and bless and just move <laughs> on and keep doing your thing. That's all yeah. you can do. Love it. Oh my gosh. This has been such an incredible, incredible interview. And I cannot wait for this episode to release because it is just going to like set so many people on fire. So my last little bit are my rapid fire questions for you. I love to give my listeners when they, you know, there's going to be so much that they can leave this interview with already. You know, they're going to go get uncomfortable right off the bat, but I love to give them just some tactful things, things that I know that I love in my life. I love reading books, love listening to music and love Benji on podcast. So my first question is, what is a book that you are currently reading? 
I am currently reading, uh, this is a business. So do you, uh, fiction or does it matter? Doesn't matter. Whatever, it, whatever you, you like. Okay. So it's a business book um, and it is uh, by Chase Jarvis and it's called Creative Calling. And I am geeking out about it. He's the founder uh, and CEO of Creative Live and an author, also, just an all around badass. But I'm so excited to read his book called Creative Calling. And then at the very, just so you know, every night I try to read uh, a little fiction because I just need to, I, if you haven't picked it up, I've got some energy. It's going to like wind down a little bit with my monkey mind. And so I'm currently reading um, Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ning, N-G. And I hope I'm saying her last name right, but Little Fires Everywhere is my fiction read. I do that every night before bed. And then uh, Creative Calling by Chase Jarvis. Love it. Two really good ones. I'm sure people can go pick up and read. Yeah. So my next one is, what is a podcast that you are binging on? Oh my God. I am obsessed with this podcast. It is definitely like not a biz podcast, but there is so much inspiration. Okay. So I love true crime. I'm a big true crime girl. Uh, so my favorite murder is my all-time favorite podcast. We call ourselves Murderinos. Uh, but you'll hear all kinds. It's a, it's a true crime comedy podcast, which sounds a little crazy, but they'll give you the disclaimers when you listen. Uh, but they're comedians and improvisers, and they're brilliant and beautiful. The two women that are the co-hosts, one's 50, one's 40. So I love their like gender, like their, sorry, their age gap because they have different perspectives. But the, you'll, you'll hear these stories about true crime, which are like scary, and they infuse some comedy into it. They don't make fun of death and dying, but... Um, there really is a big theme of like what it means to be brave enough to F politeness and keep yourself safe. And, you know, with women out there in just general, like I think we get so afraid and uh, to look stupid or to be mean in front of someone when really our goal should always be to keep ourselves safe. And we have to earn trust with other people. And when we're traveling alone and doing all these things, you know, how are we staying safe? So I always pick up so much really juicy, like stay safe inspiration as much as I do just get really entertained and, you know, listen to my true crime and scratch that itch. So my favorite murder, I'm obsessed and I binge it. Oh my God. I look forward to it every week. Oh, I love that. My husband tells me I watch way too much Dateline. He says, I have oh, you like Dateline? You yes. love this. It's just got comedy on the front end and these two women make scary things. You know, they deal with hard things in life using comedy. So I think you, you would have to give it a listen. Yeah, absolutely. I, the one I just listened to, I took a trip to North Carolina, um, to live and die in LA. Oh, I finished that one. It's a yes. good Yes, I could not. I mean, like, I was like, I, the whole, I'm like, I couldn't even sleep. I'm like, I need to find out what happens. It, oh. And it's so crazy. It's so crazy, especially coming from someone who like watches Dateline, you know, like yes. feeling like I have to have that visual, but they are so, it's so impactful listening to it. It's, so it's, good. I, I feel like it's even better because it's just, you have, you, you create this picture in your mind of what's going on. I love it. Yep. And love it. So add to your list, Bardstown. Bards. Town, B-A-R-D-S-T-O-W-N. I think it's like at eight uh, episodes in this story and I, I'm like anxiously waiting for the new one, but it's all about um, these five unsolved mysteries in a town called Bardstown. And if you like to live and die in LA, you'll love this. So it's, again, these juicy things that you can get on your drives that are just right. like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> True crime oh. podcast, I love them. Yes, love it. My husband's going to be mad at you for <laughs> recommending another <laughs> Sorry, hubby. That's okay. All right. So last but not least, and I know you will have a good one for me because you're a hip hop girl through and through. I know you got Snoop in your office right now. Some Snoop. <laughs> what is your theme song for the week? Oh, for the week. You know what? Um, 
it's Tuesday. So I, my week isn't too thick yet, but what has been playing a lot of my office and I put it on my Instagram stories all the time, especially when I'm like referencing my book is a song called nonstop by Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a rolling, not a stopwatch. <laughs> right. And so it's, I love this. I love the idea behind the song and I love the beat of the song and I like Drake and all the good stuff, but it's a song called nonstop. Like I'm going to, and one of my favorite words, my word, my anthem of this year has been unstoppable. Um, it, you know, think about it. We're ending a decade. A decade. And so I am really toying around with like tattooing unstoppable somewhere. I have no tattoos, but I may end the year with a fear experiment by getting a tattoo, which I don't really encourage. Like, I don't think you, you don't have to, you, bravery doesn't mean you jump out of planes and get tattoos. Just, you gotta do you, right? You don't have to ride a roller coaster to be brave. If you don't want to ride a roller coaster, don't ride a roller coaster. But if you want to ride a roller coaster, don't let your fear stop you from riding a roller coaster. That's the point. But I mean, unstoppable has kind of been my word and that's where I'm going with this. So that song nonstop by Drake is just a vibe. Yeah, yeah. And I love Sia. So unstoppable by Sia is just, oh my God, always on autoplay in my mm-hmm. office. Love it. Love it. Okay, Judy, you have, you have basically been unstoppable this whole time, just like knocking it down with all these one-liners. I can't wait to go back and listen to this episode and just take all the notes. And I'm sure people will be doing that with this episode while they're listening, but I want to give you a chance to let listeners know where they can come hang out with you. Because I know after listening to this, they're going to be like, I need to be on like Judy's level all the time. I need to catch her vibe constantly. That's what I'm like. I I wait, I wait for your stories to pop up because I'm like, she's just going to give me all the all the energy and all the vibe right now. So where can listeners connect with you? Thank you so much. You're such a sweet. Um, okay. So the best place to hang out with me on social is the Instagram, the gram. So I'm at Judy with an I, J-U-D-I, Holler, H-O-L-L-E-R. Uh, so Judy Holler is my Instagram handle, judyholler.com, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R.com is my website where you can find all kinds of stuff. You know, I work as a keynote speaker. So if you want to learn more about my workshops, classes, speeches, that's where you go do that. Um, I um, also, I have the book. It's out on Amazon. It's in airports. It's on Barnes and Noble. I think it's up on Target, all the things. So you can definitely go find the book just by searching up Fear is My Homeboy. Um, and we're going um, next week going into Chicago to record for Audible. So we'll be up on audiobook in time for Christmas if everything goes right, but definitely in time for the new year. Um, but the audiobook will be coming out this winter. And um, I put together, so those are the places to like find me. The book, mm-hmm. uh, my website, my Instagram, of course. I have a Facebook fan page and uh, a LinkedIn, so all the things and a Twitter. And then I put together a, a little freebie for your peeps if you want me to give you that info. Absolutely, yes. So they can just text. All you need to do is text BRAVE, the word BRAVE, to the number 474747, and you will just get a little link. You click that link, and you enter your email. So we have your permission. We do not spam you. We just love you. And then you get a bunch of downloadable freebies, uh, a couple of chapters of my book, uh, some juicy stuff that uh, I created to really help you get to know me and the brand and the ideas before buying anything. So if you want uh, that information, just text BRAVE to 474747. Come test drive the content, uh, see if it's your vibe. And if it is, would love to have you uh, read the book and join the Fear Boss fam, as I say, and, uh, you know, uh, cheer you on as you do your fear experiments. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we will link all of that in the show notes too, as well, so that you know where to find Judy, get your freebies, all that good stuff. Definitely worth a read. I've read it I'm on my second time right now. Just love, love reading this book. It really just keeps me going. So thank you so much, Judy, for, for coming on the podcast and sharing so much knowledge with us. You have been absolutely amazing. 
Same. You are amazing. Great to be here. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Insta stories, and be sure to tag me at Aubrey Malik. That way I can share you in my Insta stories as well. And if you're loving this show, I would so appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave me a review. These reviews mean the world to me, and it helps me reach more mamas just like you. Catch you on the flip side, mama.